Welcome to Word of Life Family Church, where we strive to grow in our relationship with God, our family, and our community. We believe it's no accident you're listening today, and we pray you'll hear something to strengthen, encourage, and inspire you to fulfill your God-given destiny. Now let's get to the message, which is already in progress. Philippians, we're looking, we're going to start right on chapter 1. We're going to look at this. Um, Don't worry, we're not going to read the whole chapter, just a handful of verses uh, today. If we're looking at Philippians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 12. And uh, I'll give you a moment to, 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 to turn there. I just want to talk about today in our first installment, we're going to be talking about uh, advancing through the pain, through the difficulty, through the challenge. I know none of you have ever experienced that. Okay. But what, what I know is that we all will find ourselves in places and times when, man, it seems like really things are really difficult. And, uh, and so think, thanks to the Lord that he's already thought of that and he's already taken care of that. He's got some instruction for us about that. And so how do we press on? We just read this. I'm going to press on towards the prize. How do we press on? How do we do this despite the obstacles? Despite the difficulties or sicknesses or pains or crises or anxieties or worries, all of the things. How do we do that? How will we push through? God wouldn't say to press on if he didn't give us the equipment to make sure that we can press on. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like it's really difficult to press on. And so today we're going to talk about how to advance through the pain, how to advance over the obstacle. I'll I'll just give you the end notes. God does it. He's the winner. And we're just going to be on his team. Amen. But we also know that we have a part to play. And I'm so thankful that he's invited me to be a part of that and invited you to be a part of that. That's an honor and a privilege. I wouldn't have probably, if I was God, I wouldn't have picked me. (laughs) But he did. Praise God. And uh, despite us. And so let's look at chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. We're going to look at this verse today and see what we can find out. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, and every time I read that, I'm like, brothers and sisters, I don't know. I just have that, you know, want to wave the hanky and shout it. It's okay. Brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, verse 13, as a result... It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and even and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, this is an interesting verse. Um, And uh, at first glance, I'm like, ooh, um, no, I don't know if I want to go there. But let's look at what it says as we're looking through. He says, I want to I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me is actually served to advance the gospel. And this is what I want to get to today. This is what I want us to understand. That what the Bible is saying, I know that when we feel obstacles hitting us, we feel circumstances getting difficult, often our inwardness, our humanness, our our, our flesh wants to be like, ooh, I'm gonna crawl under in the bed under the sheets and protect my life from all of the you know evil that's out there. But but Paul has somehow has a different kind of perspective. We know it is by the Holy Spirit, but we can attain this also that something something within him has served even though he's facing these things, he's found a way to say no, it's I'm going to I'm going to see what the enemy did was trying to do for evil. I'm going to let God turn it for his good. 
and, and changing his mind on that truth. And he begins to pin this for us as the believer to remind us that this can happen. For some, this might be a step of faith. For some, this might be old hat. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I got this. I know this. But for many of us, we walk through this and we're trying and trying and trying. And it's a good reminder to say, hey, there might be a different perspective. There might be a different view. I can actually advance through it. And in fact, God's gospel can advance through the pain. Now, I'll say this, just a side note. I don't believe that God ever, ever afflicts pain on people. But he will take what the enemy is trying to do and he'll turn it. If we allow him to, to, to change our mind to it, begin to give him glory, not for the problem, not for the storm, not for the issue, but because he is our hope through those things. Does that make sense? Okay, so we, we can argue about that, talk about that later if you want to, but I just want to lay that foundation so we understand. But I understand that we do face persecution. In fact, Jesus reminds us of that truth. That we're going to face some issues. We're not going to be. We're just not going to fly over everything. We're going to face some things, and so why? Because I would say we have an enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to remove our joy, trying to remove our truth, trying to remove our identity of who we are in Christ. He's trying to change our mind and try to cloud that truth so that we get so uh, enamored by all of the other stuff that we can't find which way's up. So I just want to remind you that, that what the enemy is saying is a lie. It's always a lie. Every time he talks, he's lying. So we just want to remind ourselves of that as we are walking through this. But as we advance through, the first point we'll look at already, we'll just jump right in, is this. And this is kind of going to sound kind of funny. But the advancing truth of the scripture is this, that the apostle Paul was a convicted, in, was a con convict in prison. Well, thank you, Pastor, for that uplifting thought. Why is this a point? The point is this. So many times we think, so many people, I've had so many calls and counsel elders that, that if we face difficulty, then we must be a lesser than Christian than someone else. And I want to pull it out to understand that though we are going to face stuff, Paul himself is writing from prison. I hate to say it, Paul spent most of his life, once he began, sold out for Christ, in prison. And, and why I'm trying to say this is I believe, as we look through, how many of you know that Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament? That we are, what we have today is a blessing to help us walk tomorrow, today and tomorrow. And it came from someone that was a convict. Now, I understand he was wrongly and falsely accused, wrongly thrown into prison, but nevertheless, he was found himself in prison. And he himself penned and said, I'm not perfect. I've messed up. I've, I've missed it. Uh, I've, I've had challenges. You know, we, we, we see even in Romans, he talks about how he wrestles. Uh, he wants to do what he doesn't want to do and does what he doesn't, you know, all of those kind of things. So we understand that he, he's walking, he's human, and we find this, but yet he still pins in this first chapter of 12 and 13, he says, I see that this can advance the gospel. Now I would remind you, the gospel is good news. That's the very root of what it is. Gospel is good news. That's the name. That's the Hebrew word for gospel. The Greek word for gospel is good news. Somebody say good news. All right. And so we see this, that if we don't understand that though Paul found himself in prison, he found a way to let it advance. 
We can't hide our problems. I, I, I really get really uh, distraught by this thought that for whatever reason, because when we become saved, we decide that we can't address an issue in our lives. Instead of saying and say, I, 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 I'm not going. I'm not even going to look at it. I'm going to. I'm not going to. I'm going to ignore something that I'm facing. And that, by the way, is not faith. Faith is this: to look at that thing that's staring at the face that's trying to lie to you, looking at it and taking it. Say, listen, you. Sorry, I don't mean to point at you like it's you. Sorry. <laughs> point, point at you. Point at that circumstance and say, listen, yeah, I'm facing this. I'm looking at this. I realize that I'm walking through this. And so by faith, I know that you're going to sustain me through it. Not only are you going to sustain me, you're going to get me through it. You can heal me. You can redeem me. You can, as the scripture says, you can separate the seas for me. You could remove mountains if you need to do that thing. But see, understand that we have to say this. We can't ignore the problem. We have to stare at it and say, no, you get out in Jesus' name. We need to name it. But so many times we think as a believer, I'm not going to go there because now it looks like that I'm not really in faith because I've got a problem. That's not faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But God says, I said... And so what we believe is that what he said is truth, no matter what I see, feel, taste, or touch in that moment. Does that make sense? And so we're like, why, why? So yes, Paul was in prison. Yes, he had been beaten. Yes, he did this. But yet he found a way to do the good. Now, I've never found myself beaten and in prison, wrongly accused. Praise God, praise God. I never have that happen. I, I love how Paul has figured out a way to do that. But he didn't hide his problems. And in fact, he it, what happened was it kind of arose within his believer, his followers, those that were listening to what God was sharing through him. It kind of, kind of woke them up, if you will. And, and they began to get more pressing into the gospel and the goodness. They begin to pray more. They begin to have meet together more. They begin to further the kingdom more because they're like, you know what? I, Paul may be in prison, but we know he's pressing and he's praising. And uh, we know he's been praising him and Silas has been praising and, and, and all of that. So we're going to praise. We're not going to let the enemy steal this. We're going to prove that God's bigger. And so it says that his believers, the Philippian people, begin to press in even larger, even when they found out he was in prison. I want to be like that. I want to say, instead of saying, oh, no, I'm going to coward, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to, Lord, let the mighty lion of Judah that resides in me rise up and begin to roar against what the enemy says, begin to spread the good news of the gospel to all creation. Not putting it down like, oh man, I'm a, it's a bummer. Everyone's going to think I had a problem. They're going to say, yeah, you're a human. But how are you rise above? Well, God did it. God's doing it. He's advancing it. So it's important that we understand that Paul, yes, he was in prison, but he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't afraid. He was like, oh, don't, don't go there. Now, I will say this. Don't meditate on your issues, your problems. What I mean by that is don't just... Don't go to every single person you say and, and explain every issue that you have, or you're fighting. Go before the Lord. Give it to Him. Share it if you need to share it with a loved one. 
But don't begin to speak it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because when you do that, it makes it bigger and bigger. Has anyone ever told a white lie? You know, white lie is just a nice way of saying a lie. <laughs> but you know, the first time you say it, you, you say it. Or, and maybe you're saying it because you're trying to impress somebody or something. I don't know. And you say it, and you're like, oh, okay, it went over pretty good. And so the next time you talk about it, you add a little more. The next time you talk about it, you add a little more. And add a little more. And then finally, you're like, man, I got this whole book worth of, yeah, um, yeah. The problem is the next person that you told the first is, you didn't tell me about, well, tell me the whole story. And you're like, I don't remember. I just made it up as I went. It becomes a bigger issue the more we talk about it, the more we look at it. So I'm not saying don't talk about it. I'm saying take it for what it is, see it, look at it, and give it to the Father. And let him use it. Let him just rest in it. And let it fire us up to say, oh, no, devil. You're not going to do this. You're not going to steal this. You're not going to steal my family member. You're not going to steal my health. You're not going to steal my job. You're not going to steal my joy, my peace. Those were given to me by my Father. You can't have them. Anybody here today? Hear that? That we need to remind ourselves there's somehow there's been this mindset that we're just not going to face things. We will. Jesus himself was in a boat when the storm came. It almost sank. The disciples, Master, don't you even care? Jesus was right there. He wasn't worried, but he did speak to the storm. He did look at that storm and say, Shush up, storm. That's my translation. And so he didn't ignore it like, Oh, guys, don't talk about the storm. Don't, don't look at it. Just, just maybe it'll go away. And I know I'm beating a bit dead horse here on this one, but I want us to understand we can take that thought captive. We can take that circumstance and we can say, no, devil, this is not lining up with my God's word, my father, that says I'm, I'm, I'm his and he is mine and I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. And when it becomes something that's opposite of that, we can say, oh, no, you don't do that. Can somebody say amen today? The first Corinthians chapter 7 verse 28 says this. Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to go there. We'll go to the next point two. Point two is this. Our spiritual maturity, maturity, maturity is measured by our response to the problem. Not the absence of them. I'm going to say that again. Our spiritual maturity, your your spiritual maturity is measured by the response. I've said it this way before, the squeeze test. When we're squeezed, the response of what we do in that moment is, is a good barometer. Now, I'll say this. Don't identify if you don't do it correctly and say, oh, now I'm a loser. Don't do that. But take note of it. So that when, when you're out of crisis and God has redeemed you and pulled you out, you can, uh, you know what, I better start sowing some more of his word in me so that the next time it comes around, I'm not going to be squeezed in that same way. Does that make sense? Okay, so our spiritual maturity is measured by the response to the problems, not the absence of them. Look how Paul responded. 
He didn't whine. He didn't curse. He didn't shake his fist. He said, because this happened, the gospel is advancing. What he was saying is, I don't understand what's happening in the moment, but I know that God's got me. And so I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep pushing in. I'm going to keep pressing on towards the prize. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says again, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. There's the myth. This is a, 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 a church myth. The more spiritual we are, the less problems we're going to have. Listen, everyone faces issues in this life. Even some of the most, if you look at the most holy people you can imagine, if you can think of those people that you really put on a pedestal, they face issues and challenges too. The difference is, what are we going to do with it? I say that I'm going to take that thing captive. I'm going to remind that thing of who Jesus is. I want to put claim Christ's name over that thing the best I can. Now, I will say this. This is a daily exercise. This is not something we get here today and we're like, okay, cool. Thanks, Pastor. I got it now. I wish it worked that way. For me. But Paul says we have to work out our salvation. He reminds us that we have to walk through this and work this out. And just like anything, I need to work out my muscles. If I want to get stronger in an area, I need to work that area out. For all my fitness buffs out there. Right? Do you understand that idea? If I want to gain more knowledge of whatever it is I'm trying to get better at, I have to begin to invest in that. Does that make sense? And so in that same way, what we're saying is that we need to invest in, yeah, we're going to face the issue. Now I'm going to say, God, I'm going to put you more in there. I'm going to overdose in your word. I'm going to rest there because we know that's what brings life is his word. Amen? Number three flying through this. You guys might get out early. Might. <laughs> Number three is this. This is important. Instead of asking whys, we should be asking what? Now this is a hard one. I didn't even want to write this one. Because this was stepping on my own toes. To ask the question why, we find ourselves so absorbed. I find myself so absorbed with why. With everything that's gone on in our world over the last two years, why? What's gone on in my own family, why? What's gone on in families that I love, why? 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 And I'm not saying that we can't think about why. The problem with why is it never gets us out of the mud. It, it's like a reciprocal issue hamster wheel of always thinking on the worst because we're not promised every answer god has every answer but he's we're kind of on a need to know basis and i'll tell you the reason why it's free, it's really his grace and mercy because if we needed to know if we were to know some of those things we might have ran away a long time ago we need the grace and the mercy that is God to walk through some things. If I would have known 
the, what work it was for my wife when my kids were born. No, I'm just kidding. For, for all of us. She took the blunt of it, though. If I would have really, like, really, really grasped, I don't know. If, I love my kids. If you're watching, I love you. But they're a lot of work. And if you're laughing, it's because you have a kid or two. And you understand that they're a blessing. They're amazing. They, they, my sons have changed my life. Man, I'm like, yeah, but they were a lot of work. And they still are. So am I. My mom would say, oh, yeah, a lot of work, a lot of prayer. Listen, if I hang out in the why, and I understand if I'm there, I'm never going to advance. I'm never going to go further than that. We, too many times we get absorbed by that. Why me, God? Why me, God? And that's what the problem is, is we begin to snowball in the junk that the enemy wants us to be in. And the longer we, we roll around in that, the, roll, the longer we roll, we're going to become more and more tangled in that. Paul could have said it this way. I mean, he would have had, uh, I mean, he would have had the the liberty to say this. I mean, he was facing some things. He he could have said, "Lord, I heard about your deliverance from Peter in Jerusalem, and the angels let him out of prison. Why not me?" Now, if you don't know the scripture, if you don't know the the passage in, in Acts. Read it in Acts chapter twelve, three through eighteen. It's a really amazing story where just one day, an angel appeared to Peter and said, "You know what? Come with me," and he opened the gates and they walked out. And Paul could have been like, um, I had to, <laughs> I had to, you know, I had to praise and rejoice, and I had to, you know, and I had to be beaten and all this stuff. I had to appeal at times. He had to appeal uh, for he would actually, in actual in reality, he would be appealing for Christ, not even himself. But that would help open him up. But he had to do all of these things. And here he could have said, Oh man, Peter, he gets it easy. And he could have stood there. Why? Why? Why does he get? Why does Peter have to do? And I can't. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> I know none of us have done that, but you know, hypothetically. Why opens the door of the works of the flesh? When we sit there, when we sit there, it. it what happens is jealousy arises. Unbelief, doubt, bitterness. And this is all. All of these things are traps of the enemy to steal your God-given destiny. Why opens the door to discouragement? Why defeats our faith? Why is the, and the whys just don't... Why, why do others get promoted? Why do others... I see blessing. I don't think they're even living for God. Come on, we've thought that. Maybe we haven't said it, but we thought it. Oh, why? Why this and why that and why this? Why doesn't change your circumstance? God does. Why doesn't change it? If anything, it makes us sit longer in the pig pen. Look at the prodigal son. It's a good example. The prodigal son could have been like, why, 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 why have to be here all day? Why, why do I, why did I leave my father? Why did I spend all my money foolishly? Why did I do this? Rather, rather than him saying why, he says what? 
What? What brought him the answer? What do I do now? I'm going to go to my father's house. What do I do now? I'm going to repent. What am I going to do now? I'm going to, I'm even the slaves doing better now. What, what am I going to do? I'm going to go before my father. And it began to get him out of the pig pen. It helped him to get him out. And he learned from that. And he was able to move forward in that. We know the story. Not only did it do that for him, but all the while the father was waiting, looking for, searching, waiting for him. Just a moment for him to come. Guess what? Your father in heaven is also doing that same thing. Amen. Waiting for us to run. Get off the why. Get on the what. What's the what? What is going to the father? Paul says in, in the midst of your own pain and crisis, what's he do? He writes letters of encouragement. In the middle of prison, he's like, oh man, I'm in prison. And I'm thinking, humanly, what I might have done in prison would probably not be encouraging words to everybody. Hey guys, love you. Really praise for, thankful for you. But he does. And he does it because he understood the why. He understood the what. The what was, I'm going to the Father. He's the answer. It's the choice that radically changes our lives. What will lead you to victory? Because it leads you to the Father. Why will keep us in park every time? It's stifling. The why can be stifling. It could stop us. It can put us on the bench and let... Life passes by. Why? Why was I abused as a child? Why? Why was I? Why did I have the parents that I had? Why? Why did I have to face this sickness and disease? Why do I have this? And those are all I understand humanly how horrific and how horrible those things are. What I'm trying to say is that God has an answer. But if I'm just hanging, hanging out with the why, I'm sitting in the park. I'm sitting in the mud. I'm sitting letting this thing flood me bigger and bigger instead of saying, no, I'm going to get a different perspective. i got to go to the Father because he's my victory because he called me more than a conqueror. So I better go to the one that created me in that way. We are victorious, but we're victorious if we will press on toward the prize that God calls us heavenward. He promises this, but he's telling us to do what he's asked us to do. He's given us the answer. He's given us the promise. He's even got, given us the power to accomplish it. But we got to turn the key on, so to speak. We got to take it out of park and keep going, driving forth faithfully, even when there's a bump in the road, a lot of potholes in life and in Phillips, but never in life. There are a lot of potholes. We'll always face those. But it's okay. Because God said, I didn't leave you for that. I'm going to lead you through it. I'm going to carry you. Sometimes he picks us up. By grace and mercy, he just picks us up and carries us to a place. 
Other times he just grabs us by the hand and helps walk us through. Other times he just encourages us, you can do it. Come on. And like he did, Jesus said to the man, pick up your mat and walk. It was powerful truth. There were others that Jesus reached out and did things. But for him, he said, I need you to pick up your mat. And that's what I felt like the Lord was saying for us today. I need to press on. I need to push through. I don't feel like it. But praise God, I'm not moved by my feeling. I'm moved by who I am in Christ. Amen. And when I don't feel like I can make it, I'm thankful that I have Holy Spirit as my comforter. I have Holy Spirit as my guide. I have the scriptures that I can lay eyes on and read them and, and grab the nutrients that is His Word. I have opportunity that we have. We are blessed. We have pastor after pastor, minister after minister, music after music of just awesome opportunities that we can dive into to help to help us, to pull us out of that stuff. God's thought of it all. He's amazing. And instead of thinking, man, I, I'll, I'm living in the worst time of the world to live, I can change that and say, yeah, I might be faced with a lot of things that some others weren't faced with. But praise God, He's thought of it. He's got it. And if I go to Him, and there's more ways for me to get Him now than ever. I can get on my phone at any moment and get to the scripture. I can turn on the radio. There's opportunity. There's internet. There's all of these things. Listen, we live in a place we should begin to understand. We live in a time where we could absorb and take God anywhere at any moment. Right? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to close there. I'm by no means of trying to tell you that I've got it all figured out. I'm walking this thing day by day just the same as you. I, I, I will say this, that like all of you, we've, we've walked through some things and gone through some things. And praise God, we're still here to say he's good. And like Paul told Timothy... Those are the things that we need to remind ourselves of, that the go through, that we got through it. Paul said it this way. He said, to fan the flame that is within you, what has God done for you, the prophecy that your grandmother prayed over you, Timothy. Use these promises to fuel when you're feeling hard-pressed and challenged. But again, it was an instruction that Paul gave to Timothy. He didn't say, Timothy, just sit and let God do, just, you know, robot you around. I would rather prefer that. It'd be easier, you would think. But in reality, it would not be a glorious life, a fullness of life. Right? We know we don't like to be told what to do. Okay, maybe just me. When God says... I'm going to take care of you. Lean into me today. Amen? Let's pray. Father.
We hope you've enjoyed this message from Word of Life Family Church. If you're ever in the area, please join us for one of our Sunday services at 10 a.m. or for Bible study on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. For more information, check out our website at wordoflifefamilychurch.org or call us at 715-339-2207. Thanks for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you. Yeah.